Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like updating turbines at one of our Indiana wind farms and producing more oil and gas with fewer operational emissions in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. The following podcast is a Dear Media production. Hey, welcome back to We Met at Acme. I feel like that was weird. I usually say, hey guys, welcome back to We Met at Acme. And I was just like, hey, how's it going? Welcome. Sorry that my voice is a little off. My throat has been hurting. It's not COVID. I tested but hopefully it'll feel better soon. I'm on my tea game right now. Today's episode is with Alice Bell. She is a lovely astrologer that I've been following for a while. You've probably seen me repost all of her things. She's very smart. She's very cool. She's very down to earth. And I like her a lot. And she answers all my annoying astrology questions slash your questions because you submitted them. And I really highly suggest that you take out your astrology chart when that part of the episode starts so that you can follow along and kind of understand what she's saying. But before we get into Alice, I want to talk about the things that I promised to talk about on last week's episode, which is Fleischman is in trouble, how to know if breaking up was right, and how to get over a partner's physical flaw that bothers you, and some other things that I have thought about. So we're going to start with Fleischman. Fleischman is in trouble. If you haven't watched the show, I highly recommend that you do watch it. I started, I read the book years ago and I had a feeling it was going to be a show and it, it was, and it was amazing. It, there are a few main characters, Dr. Toby Fleischman, who's played by Jesse Eisenberg. There's his friend Libby played by Lizzie Kaplan. There's his wife slash ex-wife who kind of went MIA Rachel played by Claire Danes and their other friend, Seth played by Adam Brody. This is like really the only characters that you need to care about. And basically the gist is there's Toby Fleischman is recently divorced from Rachel and the show starts off and we see this, he's going into dating apps and he's trying dating and we really see his perspective and you know, Rachel's character kind of looks like a psycho. She's like, she's gone missing. She's disappeared and nobody knows where she went. And Toby is left with the kids and he's a doctor. So it's like, you know, he doesn't know how to juggle it all. And he usually has Rachel to do like the other half because she's his ex-wife and the mother of these kids. And so you watch it and you're just like, wow, this woman is, is awful. And I, you know, I remember I was watching with Steven. He was like, she's like never there and whatever. And I was like, just wait, just wait. Because I knew the second half of the book is, and it was so cool reading it and seeing like the, 
like the perspective shift, you know, when that happens in a book and you're like, oh shit, this is going to get so good. The second half is from Rachel's perspective and we see an entirely different perspective and we get to make our own thoughts and feelings from it. And I think every, I hope I speak for everyone in that they see that Rachel side is not that you should be choosing sides in any divorce, but that Rachel's perspective is one that many men don't really even understand. So basically we see Rachel's perspective. You know, she comes from not a lot of money and she's a really hard worker. She wants to be successful. They live in New York city. She wants to be able to send their kids to private school and to do all these things. And I'd imagine that her and Toby had had these conversations before they got married, but it seems like they have different just values when it comes to life and what's important. And Rachel knows that it's important to make money because you want to be able to send your kids to all the best things. I mean, if you're living in New York City, there is a bit of a keeping up with the Joneses, right? And you kind of know that when you agree to raise children in New York City, unless you do it in a different way and and you, you know, enter the public school system and you make it work somehow that way. But if you if you want to send your kids to private school, if you want to send your kids to camp, if you want to like have a house in the Hamptons, you, like you, you got to work hard. It's like Britney Spears songs. You got to work, bitch. And Rachel understands that. And Toby seems a little bit complacent in his role at, as a doctor. And by the way, a doctor is an amazing job and he's clearly a success in what he does, but it's clear that he doesn't like ask for more or want to, and you could still move up. There's still mobility as a doctor. Like you can be the head of a different hospital, you know? And it, it just seems like Toby doesn't care. He doesn't have that same drive that Rachel has. And we understand why Rachel has it, right? She comes from nothing. She's like, he doesn't have a family. Like this is, she wants to create this thing that she didn't have growing up for her family. Anyway, so the gist is that they're clearly not seeing the world the same way. But before that's happened and they've kind of had these realizations because they have kids, there was the birth that Rachel had when she gave birth to their daughter. And she was in the hospital and I guess her water hadn't broken and a doctor came in and force forcibly, for, forcefully broke her water and kind of reached into her vagina and broke her water, which in my opinion is a serious violation. It's, it's assault like that. That's like the definition, you know? And I think it's the most vulnerable position you can ever be in is giving birth. You have zero control. You don't know how to do it yourself. And as a woman, you are at the whim of these doctors And oftentimes it's not the doctor that you expected it to be, which is the case in her situation. That was the case with my sister giving birth. It was a different doctor and luckily she was in great hands and everything went fine. But for Rachel, she was basically assaulted by this doctor. This doctor didn't ask her if it was okay. He didn't warn her what he was doing. He just went up there and broke her water and seemed like it really hurt. It was really, really painful and it was it was awful it was awful to watch we saw the version of toby's 
seeing it happen or not seeing it happen because he came in right after and he had no idea what had really happened. And he kind of like almost made fun of her for how she was reacting to the situation. And the biggest red flag is Toby. Like if that happened to me, even if Steven wasn't in the room and he didn't see that happen, he would lose his mind that somebody had touched me like that, that I had gone through that. He would empathize in so many ways. And Toby just didn't. And seeing Rachel's perspective, it was so crazy. And then she goes to this like trauma group for what happened. It's kind of like a support group. And she breaks down crying in her trauma group. And I'm not kidding. Both Steven and myself started crying because of this. It was the most accurate portrayal of trauma, abuse, hurt, and pain ever depicted on television. It was it was really wild. And I've never given birth, but I am starting tests because like we're thinking about trying soon to get pregnant. And one of these tests is it's called an HSG test. And basically what they do is they put something up you and they like put something through your fallopian tubes to make sure that they're open. And I had a horrible experience with this test and it was a male doctor and, you know, not even close to what Rachel experienced in, in this show, but I felt awful. It was a horrible, terrible experience. And, and I was in so much pain and I felt so alone and I can't even imagine that times a thousand when you're giving birth. And so I think it's just crazy. Like women go through so much and you see this parallel between Rachel, who's this really hardworking mom and Libby, Toby's friend, who is a stay-at-home mom and someone who chose that path for themselves. And you just see the stark contrast between, and it's not like one of them is happier than the other. In fact, in this show, they're both pretty miserable, but it shows how much they, they don't get along. And it just, it's very much a, like a broader thing about this, how the world pits against these stay-at-home moms and these working moms against each other. And like, why, why, why are women so pitted against each other when we are all going through these same experiences and we need each other more than anything, certainly more than we need men a lot of the time. Anyway, then when we're following Rachel, we sees we see that she does indeed have this affair with one of her like ex-friends' husbands. And they go to this retreat to relax and continue their affair. And Rachel has like this awakening experience at this retreat. And she starts crying about like everything that she's gone through in her life. It all comes back to her, you know, like the, the assault and her divorce and, and just everything at once. And she starts crying and almost immediately the guy that Rachel's having an affair with is like, okay, I'm going to, I got to go. Like you're crying. This is not for me. This is supposed to be fun. And it just shows like, are any men going to stick around through hard times? Like, that's what you think when you see that you're like men immediately just want to leave when there's a hard time. And they just want this woman who's just like bouncing up the walls. Who's like, like a hilarious Baldwin. Who's just like, Ooh, I had a kid and now I'm doing yoga. And like, that's not realistic. Because every woman is going to be a woman at some point in their life. And that's why it's so funny when like you see these men like in, you know, Real Housewives trade in their wives for like a younger version. It's like that younger version is still a woman and we're all 
very similar. So, and then there's this notion of like, you know, she goes off the grid and she buries her phone and it's like disconnecting for real. And she, Rachel's character is a, is like an agent to Broadway or whatever. And she, like she loses her biggest client and it just shows again, like in our world, like you can't really ever go off the grid. Like you lose everything unless you're able to communicate, unless you have that out of office message, unless you have told people exactly what you're doing and where you're going and how long you're going for and when you're going to be back and able to respond to their emails. And it's exhausting. It is exhausting. And I think my last thought on this is being dumped after getting divorced after like a big, long relationship. So either after getting divorced or if after you're in like a really long relationship and then you like start dating again and whether it's being dumped or some guy just like doesn't call you after that, that's the most painful heartbreak. Like that's almost more painful than the actual breakup itself because you're so vulnerable and you're like, I threw everything away and I'm back out here and this everyone sucks. And that's why people end up going back to people that they're not meant to be with and getting married to them and being miserable for the rest of their lives because they get scared away from that one thing. But if you've experienced this, let me tell you, I had a few experiences like that when I broke up with my ex before I found Steven. And thank God I didn't give it up. Thank God I didn't give up and say, oh my God, this is too scary. I'm just going to do whatever. Like, Don't ever make the safe choice because I promise you, if you keep at it, you will find happiness again. And you know, obviously the show ends in a not exactly happy place, but I'd like to think that if that continued on and if they make a second season or they write a second book, that Rachel would be happy again because she deserves that. And those are my thoughts on that show. Really quickly, because now I'm going over time and this episode's going to be so long, but how to know breaking up was right. You immediately get breaking up like by um, dumpers remorse is what they call it. Right. And so that dumpers remorse lasts for like a month, maybe two months. It depends on if you're meeting someone new. If you meet someone new, you probably don't have that. But if you break up and you have this sense of like relief at all, any part of you has a relief sense, breaking up was right. If you write that list of what wasn't working and you look back at that or you go over that with a therapist and they're like, wow, I can't believe you held on for this long. Breaking up was right. Most times, I would say nine times out of 10, breaking up was 100% right. Trust your gut. You know if it is right. And you don't really always move on until you fall for someone else. So give yourself time. And if for some reason a year later, you're still like, oh my God, that breakup was wrong, then revisit it. But give yourself time to like let it sink in. And then how to go over a partner's physical flaw that bothers you. Everybody has a physical flaw. And if your partner was asking me this, you would be fucking livid. You'd be like, how dare they think that my thick thighs bother them? And so I'd argue it's not about the thighs, right? It's not about their like weird, but I don't know what you're thinking of in terms of physical flaw. It's not about their curved eyebrow, whatever it is, right? It's something else that's bothering you. It's like, it's not about the lamb chops. It's not about the towels. It's always something more than that. So I'd try to look into what's really bothering you. Because if you can't get over a partner's physical flaw, this is probably not your husband. This is probably not your life partner because there are tons of physical flaws that both myself and Steven have and neither of us focus on them because that's the last thing on our list. 
there are so many more things that are important. So think about that. I hope that's helpful. And I'm excited for you to hear Alice. I can't believe January still isn't over, guys. Like what's going on here? But if you're still in that new year, new me mindset and you're ready for a little reset, Sakara's organic meals are nutritionally designed to support your goals so you can get the results that you want in the new year and beyond. Another thing, they're delicious, which makes it that much easier to commit to yourself. If you haven't heard of Sakara, Sakara delivers science-backed plant-rich nutrition programs and wellness essentials right to your door. Their ready-to-eat meals are nutritionally designed to deliver results from weight management and eased bloat to boosted energy and clearer skin. You're still eating just as much as you would with any other day, except you're eating the things that don't bloat you, that give you energy and clear your skin. The results speak for themselves. Whenever I stick to Saqqara. I genuinely feel so much better. My skin looks better. I'm like glowing. And the energy I have in comparison to eating the way that I eat on my own, which isn't so great, is just night and day. And right now, Saqqara is offering our listeners 20% off their first order when they go to Saqqara.com slash Acme or enter code Acme at checkout. That's Saqqara, S-A-K-A-R-A, dot com slash acme to get 20% off of your first order. Sakara.com slash acme. I also take their probiotics every single day and sip their detox tea in between meals. So I highly recommend those as well. Sakara.com slash acme. Hey guys, welcome back to We Met at Acme. I'm so excited to be here with one of my favorite astrologers, Alice Bell. Thank you for having me. I'm so excited to be here. I can't wait. So I thought we'd start with a question that's a little bit different Mm -hmm. than our norm because it's you, of course. What are some changes that you had experienced, have experienced, because I think it's ending, right, during your Saturn return? Yeah, my Saturn return ends in March. So, yeah, I'm at the tail end of that three-year period. I think with the Saturn return, I mean, I know it does have a lot to do with where Saturn is placed in your birth chart. So, for me, it's in the seventh house of relationships. So, it's been a lot about, like, stepping up in the realm of relationships, taking on more responsibilities there. Before my Saturn return, I had never been in a serious relationship. Like I had always had these flings that would last like three months and then fizzle out. So I didn't really know what like commitment looked like. And at the start of my Saturn return, I kind of was sick of how I had been dating up until that point. And I just got really clear on these are the traits I want in a partner. I'm not going to settle for less. I also started listening to your podcast, like at the start of my Saturn return too. And I was kind of like, I need to start dating differently and not settling for these guys who just like aren't looking for a relationship. Right. And in February, 2021, that was when I met my now partner and we've been together ever since. So a lot of my Saturn return the past two years has been about learning how to be in a serious relationship. And we also moved in together. So that was a big first for me too. Yeah, that's huge. And writing a book. Yeah, writing a book was also, and writing a book on relationship astrology. So it definitely played in with those relationship themes that were so important. Which I feel like is like the hottest astrology out there right now. Everyone's just... I'm sure when you do your readings, like that's the number one question that comes up is like, when am I going to find someone? Exactly. And that's like what I was interested in the most when I was single. It was like, when am I going to meet someone? And that's kind of how I got into astrology was fixating on like my horoscope. Is this guy going to text me back? And then it kind of spun out from there. And then I learned how to read my whole birth chart and 
became obsessed with astrology because of that initial relationship entry point. Did you predict that you would meet your boyfriend when you did? Yes, I did. So I always knew 2021 was going to be a good year because Jupiter and Saturn were moving through my seventh house. We can talk about that what those transits are later. But but it, then COVID hit and it was January 2021. I was like, okay, this is my relationship year. I'm not on dating apps. I'm not making any sort of effort. It was like only you could only dine outside. So I was making no effort to date. And so I was kind of like, okay, universe, show me how this is going to happen. And I got an Instagram message in late January of 2021 from a follower saying like, I have this great guy friend. I know this message is really random, but I have this guy friend that I want you to meet. I think you would really get along. And so I read that message. I was like, what's his birth time? Saw his birth <laughs> <course>. chart. <laughs> was kind of like, okay, I think I think there's something there. I'll agree to a date. And then, yeah, the rest is history. That's my boyfriend now. <laughs> I love that. That's yeah. so great. And now backing up to how I usually start was just how old are you and where are you from? Yeah. So I'm turning 30 this week and I am originally from Nashville, Tennessee, but I've been living in New York for six years. I didn't realize it was this week. Happy yes, almost birthday. Thank you. That's amazing. Yeah. And now going back a little bit to this person who had sent you this DM, mm -hmm. did you ever get clarification on what about your boyfriend, your now boyfriend, that she thought was compatible for the two of you? So what was going on? So I got the message on like a Saturday night in my DMs. And he told me that they were all like at an apartment, hang out with their group of friends. And everyone was kind of asking him, like, who are you dating right now? And he was like, no one, like, I'm not trying to make an effort to date during COVID. And his girl, that was the friend that DM'd me, just felt like she had this like intuition feeling coming over her and was like, I actually just started following this astrologer. You should message her. And he was like, no, I'm not going to randomly message this girl you're yeah. following on Instagram. Can you message me for her? So yeah. she doesn't like really know why she sent that message. It was just like a feeling she got. Yeah. I really, really believe yeah. in that stuff. Like, it's crazy. Wholeheartedly. It's yeah. wild. And so when you started dating, when you had gone, let's say on your first date, how much of astrology did he know about? It was so cute. He showed up to our first date. He had researched like his sun, moon and rising and he has a Scorpio moon. So he was really scared that like I wouldn't want to date him because he had a Scorpio moon yeah. and it said like all these bad things online. And then also he had like read my weekly horoscopes for Vogue. So it was like cute how much effort he had put into like looking into astrology, even though he knew nothing about it. Right. That is yeah. really cute. And now would you say he's a believer? Yeah, definitely. Like he'll make little predictions off what he knows from my Instagram posts and what I tell him. He'll like tell his friends like, oh, you can expect a job change then. Or, Stop, yeah. that's so cute. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so for someone listening who's like, I know nothing about astrology and I'm going to make an effort to not ask you anything that can just be Googled yeah. because that's yeah. just so pointless. But let's say I'm this person, I don't believe in astrology. Why should I believe in it? And like, where should I start if I want to? I think you should believe in astrology. I mean, I never force anyone, my beliefs on anyone, but I just feel like it's given me so much inner peace. And especially with predictive astrology, which is understanding like the timing of getting into a relationship, the timing of a job change or moving homes. It's just helped me to calm down and realize I don't need to have control over everything at that moment or everything doesn't have to happen at that specific time. Like there's yeah. a timing for everything. Mm -hmm. So then 
if you are interested in getting started with astrology, I mean, I learned simply by pulling up my birth chart online. Like there's great websites and apps. I love the app Chani. And then I don't love CoStar, but I also like the pattern. And then I kind of just Googled what does every planet mean in what house and what sign. And just reading through those interpretations online is what got me hooked. But then there's also like a few books you could learn too. Yeah. If you're listening to this, and you know your birth time, I would say pull up your chart while we're talking because there are things that Alice is going to mention that probably will be helpful if you know your placements and things like that. Yeah. Okay, so you would look up those things if you wanted to get started. Why don't you like CoStar? I've heard this a lot. Yeah, because I mean, first, because it sends those like negative notifications every day, but also because it doesn't show the chart in the circular form. It's just like this grid that lists out all these planets and what signs, and it doesn't show how you have like every single sign in your chart and how the houses are set up. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay, so let's talk about challenges and compatibilities Mm -hmm. with charts. I guess we'll use you and your boyfriend's charts as an example. What is the biggest challenge that is on your charts with each other? So a good but can be tough aspect we have is his Saturn falls right on my son. So I always say that's a great aspect to have in compatibility because it means you're willing to put in the effort to make the relationship work in the long term. But Saturn also has such like a critical tendency to it. So I feel like I'm always the one kind of like criticizing him or like I have to like watch out for those tendencies in the relationship. So that means like your Saturn is in, he's a Taurus, if I remember correctly. So he is, yeah, he's a Taurus, but his Saturn's in Aquarius and I have my son in Aquarius. I see. So his Saturn touches my son. Exactly. Okay. What does it mean if you have the same Saturn? So meaning like you're born the same year, I think that's what it means. Yeah. You would have the same Saturn if you're born in the same like three year period. Okay. Yeah. And is that good? It's more significant when someone's Saturn touches an inner planet in your chart, like your sun, moon, Venus rising more so than like Saturn, Saturn. Right. Because you can have that with anyone your age. Yeah, of course. Yeah. Okay. So what are some parts of the chart that you should pay attention to for like, let's say the most marriages have ended in divorce because of this place. You know what I mean? Like, I know that's such like a TikTok buzz um, thing, but like what is the most common, most difficult placement that if you saw, you'd be like, it's going to be tough. It's not necessarily going to be over, but it's going to be tough. Yeah. Okay. First, I want to start off like there are no placements that mean like this relationship is doomed. It won't work out. But yeah, there are some more difficult configurations if you're comparing your chart to someone else's. One, I would say is like incompatible moon signs or the moons don't make like an aspect to each other. So like great, a great compatibility um, configuration would be like having the same moon sign as someone having moon sign in the same element. So you both have water moons or even moon sign of like the same modality. So sorry if this is like a little more complex, but like moons both in fixed signs. So like a Taurus moon with a Scorpio moon would be great. Mm -hmm. So if your moons aren't making an aspect, that would be a little more more challenging to like understand where each person is coming from emotionally. Also, there's certain houses in the chart where overlays of someone's planet to like your 12th house or your eighth house can bring up kind of more difficult emotions or there might be power struggles in the relationship or like issues of trust that come up. 
Mm-hmm. Like it's harder to maybe understand where that, where that person's coming from. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. And can you give us kind of like one or two examples of difficult two moon signs? Like I know you mentioned different like earth and, air mm-hmm, and fire, mm-hmm. but like, I don't know, let's say like Scorpio moon with an Aries, you know, something like that. Yeah, I would definitely say like water, a water sign moon. So Scorpio, Pisces and Cancer with like a fire sign moon, that might be harder. So yeah, like an Aries moon, Scorpio moon, because the water sign moon person is going to be so, I don't know, they're going to have heavier emotions. They're going to want to talk about them and they might be very sensitive where the fire sign moon is probably going to they're just like, brush it off. Like, let's keep going. Let's have mm-hmm. these new experiences. Like trying to keep things upbeat and positive. Mm-hmm. Like as a Pisces moon, I found it hard to get along with people who have like a Sagittarius moon because I'm like, why aren't you as introspective as me? You yeah, know? <laughs> yeah. That's really funny because my husband has a Sag moon. Yeah. Okay, what about this rumor that, or maybe it's a myth, maybe it's real, that we are most compatible with whatever sign our moon is in. So for example, I'm a Capricorn moon that I'm most compatible with a Capricorn. That's a great sign of compatibility. Like you may find that you have like, even though your partner's not a Capricorn, like a lot of Capricorn friends, but it's not necessary. Mm-hmm. It's just like a good marker of compatibility, but you don't have to have that for a relationship to work in the long yeah, term. Yeah, that's interesting. Yeah. I, so I had a lot of partners in the past. I'm a Libra. Mm-hmm. I'll just give you like a refresher of my yeah, chart, yeah. but I feel like I'm <laughs> always telling it to you, so maybe you know, but a Libra sun, a Virgo rising, a mm-hmm. Capricorn moon is like my big three. Yeah. And I have had so many partners that have had Libra moons. Yeah, that's interesting. That have been like more into me than other partners. So I thought that was funny. Yeah. Like I've, as an Aquarius, I've attracted a lot of Aquarius moon men and women as friends, but it hasn't necessarily been the moon sign that's worked out the best. Yeah. How do you not develop a bias for your own placements when predicting things when giving, you know, readings and things like that. Like, like, for example, I have often heard that like Aquarius Mm -hmm. and Scorpio are the two signs that get like a bad rap and Gemini sometimes. But like how, as an Aquarius, especially, are you like, that's not true, blah, blah, you know? (laughs) I feel like I kind of support like all the signs. Like even though I don't have Gemini in my chart and that one gets a lot of hate, it's like, it's more than just what you're seeing on social media or online. Like every sign is going to have its traits it struggles with. And then also it's more positive points. Mm -hmm. If you can conduct, and people ask me this all the time and it's so hard for me to answer, especially as someone who's not an astrologer. If you could put together the most perfect chart. <laughs> Can you put one together? I mean, I guess it would probably have a balance of all four elements. So a little bit of fire, a little bit of earth, air, and water. There aren't any like signs that I would like need to have in the chart. I mean, based on my own chart, I love like Scorpio placements. I also love Aries and Sagittarius and Taurus, but there are there isn't like a perfect chart I have in my mind. Mm-hmm. Like when I give readings, I never look at someone's chart and I'm like, you have an amazing chart. Yeah. That's so interesting because I, when I first started getting into astrology and I would talk to friends who are really into it, I always was told that I had a difficult chart. Really? Yeah. Do you, Did they say why? Well, my chart is like basically all Virgo and Capricorn. Yeah. 
And I think that like that can be tough, mm-hmm, I'd imagine. Mm-hmm. I think Capricorn Moon is a hard, like I've been told many times that Capricorn Moon is a hard placement because yeah. Cancer Moon is like the best placement. Yeah, the moon is at the, home in Cancer because exactly. it's the sign it rules. Right. So yeah, it's like at its fall in Capricorn. I just feel like people with Capricorn Moons, it takes a while to maybe mature emotionally. or like knowing the setup of your chart with a Virgo rising, it's in the fifth house. So like your emotions surrounding dating and relationships probably got easier as you got older. Yeah. Like you're just very mature, but you can also be very self-critical or maybe Mm -hmm. like a bit guarded with your emotions. All of the above. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Except I never consider myself mature. Um, (laughs) I, I have my moments, but I also have been told that my chart's difficult because something with Chiron and I want to I want to hear about that in it's in like the fifth house for me you have Chiron in the fifth house I think that's what it is what year are you born 1990 yeah okay hold on I'm just going back I actually think you have Chiron in cancer the maybe because oftentimes when I get a reading someone immediately is like Oh, I see things with like your mom and yeah, yeah. And I'm like, well, I have a good relationship with my mom, so I I don't know, but maybe that's coming from something. I know you have Saturn in the fifth house, yeah. So that has like similar qualities to Chiron, where it is like where Saturn's located can be a point of difficulty, especially when you're younger. Yeah, and having it close to your moon may mean that your mom was kind of strict, or maybe there was just like a delay in having like a good relationship with her mm-hmm. or she, you felt like she put a lot of pressure on you. Yeah, I, I see that a little bit. Yeah. What do you think about the thing that people say about being with the one like element mm-hmm. that you lack? So for example, if you have a chart of like all fire and air being with a water sign or yeah. if you have, you know, you know, I feel like you naturally seek that out, especially if we were to look at like your rising sign and the sign opposite. So for you, Pisces is the opposite of Virgo. And it's kind of like you end up naturally attracting people into your life that have that opposite quality to you. Mm -hmm. So I would say not so much the element you lack, but more like what's the opposite of your signs. Mm -hmm. And what would you say is the placement that is the most indicative of your personality? Because I've heard so many times that it's your rising sign over anything else. I think it's all three combination. I wouldn't put one as like more important than the other. I feel like moon sign especially is like something you're, like it describes so much of like how you grew up, like early childhood, kind of like emotions you revert back to. Whereas a lot of people, a lot of times people don't resonate completely with their sun sign because it's like your identity you're growing into over the course of your life. Mm-hmm. So maybe you haven't tapped in fully to the traits that your sun represents. Is that what you would say to someone who's like, I read the horoscope yeah. of my sign. I don't relate to it. Yeah, I would say look at like the rest of your chart, but also like maybe you do want to develop the, those traits that don't resonate with you so much. Mm-hmm. Let's talk about Saturn return. We talked about it a little bit in the beginning. Mm-hmm. Like beyond something that I could just look up online, what is this period? What does it mean? And so for my Mm -hmm. experience that I can speak to when I, so for me, it was like, I guess, 27 to 30. Yeah, yeah. And when I, before Saturn return happened for me, I truly feel like I was a different person. During my Saturn return, I started, we met at Acme. Mm -hmm. I like changed my career as a result. I got sober. Yeah. I met my husband. Oh my God, that's crazy. So like 
everything yeah. in my life changed. What can somebody who is turning 27, just turned 27, expect from their Saturn mm -hmm. return? And then we'll talk about during and then we'll kind of talk about after. Yeah. So at the Saturn return, you're often like taking stock of your life up until that point and the ways in which you may have not been living true to yourself. Like how have you been doing things to please other people or live up to expectations you think the world might have of you. So a lot of the time this Saturn return is like, what is my career niche? What do I really want to commit to? And kind of making the necessary changes to get there. Like, how can you take yourself on and just become like a more mature, more adult version of yourself? So for the, for you, that was like, this is the career that I'm super passionate about. And also being like, okay, drinking isn't working for me anymore. I want to get sober. Yeah, that's so interesting. Yeah. And then during your Saturn return, mm -hmm. what should you be doing? Because it's kind of like, it, it's like this weird time when someone's like, your life is changing and you're like, I'm in it though. Like, I don't know. You know, it's like when someone's like, we'll get over that breakup. It's like, but still so fresh. Like yeah. I'm still, I'm still feeling the feels. A common feeling when you're in your Saturn return is like everything is taking too long. You kind of feel stuck and frustrated. So I would say there's nothing really to do to like change it in that moment, but just know that the work you're doing on yourself now and maybe the different direction you're pivoting in will pay off in the long term. Like mm -hmm. Saturn is all about like hard work in the moment that will have long term results. So then your Saturn return ends. So let's say you yeah. in like three months, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. however long you said, then what? What are you expected to? focus on afterwards? I mean, there's other transits to your chart and there'll be other Saturn cycles that come along every seven years as kind of like a check-in point. But I do notice with people like at the end of the Saturn return, they just have a lot more like confidence in who they are. Like they know what they want to pursue. It's kind of like what you were saying, like the difference between who you were before the Saturn return and after and just building upon those realizations you had about yourself. Do you believe that it's better to wait until after your Saturn return to get married? I mean, yes, I probably would. But it also like you and me, we have our Saturns in relationship houses. So definitely better for us. But some people may not have those difficulties with relationships and they may just like already know what they want in that area before. How, so if so, I'm listening to this podcast. I'm mm -hmm. looking at my chart right now. Yeah. How do I know if my Saturn is in a relationship house? It would be in the fifth house, the seventh house, or the eighth house. And if it's not, then I could marry my high school sweetheart and be fine when my yeah. Saturn return hits necessarily. Yeah, there wouldn't be as much relationship stress introduced at the Saturn return. Interesting. Yeah. Interesting. Okay, so this is a tragedy, but I've heard it quite a lot. Let's say I'm someone who doesn't know their birth time and yeah. I can't ever find it. And my birth certificate was burned in a fire and mm -hmm. whatever happened, I'll never know what time I was born, let's say. What can I do to learn about myself? You can work with an astrologer. You get a reading called a chart rectification. So you can ask an astrologer if they do that type of thing. And the astrologer will kind of go through your life, main life events with you or just core personality traits. And you can work together with them to find like the most accurate birth time mm -hmm. in the rising sign and where all the planets fall in your chart. Interesting. Yeah. Okay. So it's not hopeless. Yeah. Let's say I'm one of those many, many people who is like, when am I going to find 
my person. Mm-hmm. Like, when am I going to find my person? You had mentioned that you saw it in your own chart. How looking at my chart right now, can I determine when that's going to happen for me? Okay. So that gets a little more complicated. It's based on transits to your chart. So like where the planets currently are in the sky in relationship to your birth chart. So transits through those relationship houses, like I talked about the fifth, seventh and eighth would be key to look out for, especially when Jupiter and Saturn or the eclipses happen to those houses. So I remember in 2020, we had like a Zoom, astrology Zoom during COVID. And I was like, yeah, 2022 is a great relationship year for you. And then you ended up getting married that year. Yeah, that's so crazy. That was because Jupiter was in your seventh house Wow, that's amazing. Yeah. I remember I had an astrologer tell me, like before you and I had that conversation, that it would be 2022. And I think it was like 2018 or 2019 at the time. And it just seems so far away Yeah, that you're like so sad because you're like, oh my God, that's like in four years. But at the time I was dating someone else. So I was thinking with that person, it would be not for another four years. Little did I know. It was a different person. That it was a different person that it and that it wasn't even going to feel that long yeah. once we met. Yeah. So it's so crazy. Okay. This is one of my favorite questions that somebody submitted. And I have always felt like the answer is yes. Mm-hmm. But I'm curious what you think. Do our parents' signs influence us? There's always like a relationship between you and your parents' chart. Like a lot of the time, the child will have one of their sun, moon, or rising as a shared sign with their parents' sun, moon, or rising. So there's always going to be connections. Like for instance, my mom's an Aquarius rising. I'm an Aquarius. And then my dad's a Leo rising. I'm also a Leo rising. So there's always those matchups. And it's interesting to think about like your birth chart is what was happening, the transits to your parents' chart the day you were born. So it's like kind of like your birth chart is representative of the life events they were going through when you were born, if that makes sense. No, explain a little bit more. I always thought it was like the way the ocean was, you know (laughs) what I mean? Like I didn't know it had to do with. Yeah. So like if you, I don't know, like there's always astrology can kind of show why you may get along better with one parent than another. So like, for instance, when my mom gave birth to me, Saturn was transiting her first house of Aquarius. And so my Saturn and Aquarius falls on her Aquarius rising. So it's a bit of a more challenging relationship than I have with my dad. Mm. Um, So it's kind of like looking at those matchups between your two charts, it can tell a lot about that parent-child relationship, like how easy or difficult it is. That's so interesting. Do a lot of new parents come to you being like, how am I going to get along with this child? Yeah, that's hard. I have like a hard time giving like child birth chart readings because it's like, I don't want the parents to fixate on what the child might grow into. Right. But it's fun to kind of predict what day someone might give birth. Yeah. That type of stuff. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah. Yeah. So I, and I could be wrong because I don't know like his entire chart, but I don't have any known similar elements with my dad's chart, which is What is his sun, moon, rising? He's a Sagittarius sun with a Sagittarius rising and a Cancer moon. Okay. So if he's Sagittarius rising a lot, okay. So this gets a bit more complicated, but his fourth house would be Pisces and his 10th house would be Virgo. Okay. So that's like the mid heaven 
in his chart is probably Virgo, which is yeah. also you're a Virgo rising. I see. So having those like angles match up too, even if you don't have that obvious sun moon rising right, connection. Right, right, right. Yeah. And my mom, just while we're here, yeah. is um, a Virgo sun with a okay. Sag rising and a Gemini moon. So okay. I guess her Virgo sun so is her, like to my Virgo exactly. rising. Exactly. And her Gemini moon falls on your Gemini midheaven in your right. chart. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Don't, don't you think it's interesting? I mean, maybe I'm just biased because they're my parents, but that they're both Sagittarius rising. Yeah, that is interesting. And you and your husband are, are both, both Virgo, Virgo rising. rising. Yeah. It's weird. It's weird. What are some transits that someone might have in their chart that indicate like having a healthy marriage versus like having like a divorce mm -hmm. situation or multiple mm -hmm. marriages? Okay. Yeah. So like transits as in like what's currently going on in the relationship? What's currently going on? Yeah. Yeah. Or like, yeah, I guess. Okay. Yeah. So there's certain transits that indicate a happier time in the relationship. That would be like you had last year, like Jupiter going through the seventh house, Jupiter in the fifth house, Jupiter going through the first house. Whereas with like Saturn going through the seventh house or the fifth house, that might bring up a lot more stress into the relationship. Also eclipses, like if, so for instance, right now the eclipses are in Taurus and Scorpio. And if you have those as one of your rising signs, that often brings a lot of change into a relationship. Mm. Um, so that could be either good change or bad change. It's kind of like, how are you feeling about the relationship at the moment? Yeah. It's not, astrology isn't so definitive. Like you are for sure going to break up. You are for sure going to get married. It's more like take what your intuition is telling you about the relationship at that time. And that's kind of what you can expect to happen. Yeah. And how do we know what transits are going on? Like, are we just, do we just Google what transits are going on? Yeah. So if you pull up your birth chart online, like astro.com, or I love the website astro-seek, there's options to like add transits to your chart on both of those. I see. Yeah. What is the most constructive way to apply what you learn in an astrology session to real life? Like after I'm done, I have all my notes. Now what? I would say, so if you in astrology reading, let's say you got like answers about when the career change might happen or when you're going to get like a promotion. I wouldn't like fixate on those dates so much. And I would kind of be open-minded about what might happen. Like the astrologer isn't seeing how exact events will play out in your life. It's more like this is the month or the week where there's potential for the good career thing to happen, for instance, but it could be a little different than what you already have in your mind. Mm. What is the biggest myth in astrology that you would like to settle once and for all that that's just BS. <laughs> One is that if you're sun, like just people reading their horoscopes and writing off astrology, if it's not accurate, because there's so much more to it. And then also the fact that like not having a compatible sign with someone means that the relationship is doomed. Yeah. Like a compatible sun sign. Yeah. 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 I know. That's like the biggest one that people will just be like, oh, well, I looked up our charts and it says that like I looked up our signs and it says that we're not Compatible. Exactly. Like I, I, that was what, like one of my big concerns when I, when I first met my husband, because he's cancer and I'm Libra. And mm -hmm. I was like, that's just so, they're just so different, you know? Yeah. Um, but I had remembered I had this book and I wonder if you know about it. It's called The Secret Language of Birthdays. Yeah. Yeah. By Gary Goldstein. Yeah. Something yeah. like that. And I remembered looking at all of the, there were like different dates of yeah. signs that, 
were good for marriage versus good for love versus good for work. And one of them was like July 5th to to 8th or something. Yeah. And he's July 5th. And I, and like, I always remembered that when I met him, I was like, oh, well, he was in the marriage section. That's so So crazy. That is so crazy. And then what is like your most controversial astrology opinion? Like that's like, that like people can be like, oh yeah, Al, like out of all these astrologers, that's what that's what Alice has to say or thinks or. I feel like my astrology niche, I don't know if it's like controversial, is just that like I'm so much about how there's a timing for everything. So I, I don't know. I'm like very adamant of like, this is when something's going to happen to you. And a lot of times people will try to fight that mm-hmm. and be like, but if you said relationships is not good for me until 2024, I can still date right now, right? And I'm like, yeah, you can date, but it's maybe not likely that anything significant will form until 2024. And Mm -hmm. people really don't like to hear that sometimes. Yeah. Have you ever like been off with something? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I've been definitely off or like my interpretation isn't exactly what happens. Mm -hmm. How do you know when you're getting like a bogus reading? Like, what do you mean? Like, there's so many people oh, out oh, there. Oh, like if someone's coming to an astrologer for a reading. And, yeah, okay. like how do you know if like that astrologer is just like kind of BS? I would say if they say like definitive statements, like you're never going to meet someone, you're going to end up alone, you won't be successful in this career. I don't think you should ever be telling people like strong statements like that because astrology really can't tell that. Mm-hmm. Let's... Talk a little bit about Mercury retrograde. Yeah. <laughs> there are so many opinions flying out there mm-hmm. from people who definitely don't know what they're talking about, myself included, I'm sure. What what exactly is happening and what do we need to do during those periods? Yeah, so I feel like people blame all their problems on Mercury retrograde when yeah. it happens. But if we think about it, like Mercury is the planet of communication and just like how you go about your everyday tasks, like that communication with people in your immediate environment. So when Mercury is retrograde, all of that kind of slows down a bit or just needs reworking somehow. So I always say Mercury retrograde is a great time to do anything with like the prefix prefix re in front of it, like reconnect with people from the past, re-edit like a document you've been working on, kind of like revise or reflect and just realizing how you can be like more effective in how you're communicating your ideas and kind of how you want to proceed. Like you need those necessary down moments. You can't just be going ahead and like pushing ahead with new projects and always be going and going. You need mm-hmm. that those rest periods. But I often find or hear about the most breakups during this period. Because it gets you reflecting a lot more on like, do I really want to be with this person? Are there issues? I feel like everything you normally sweep under the rug when it's not a Mercury retrograde gets addressed at the retrograde. Like it becomes unavoidable. Mm, Interesting. What about getting married during Mercury retrograde? I personally wouldn't do it, but I don't think it's necessarily negative. Like I know yeah. a lot of people that have gotten married during Mercury retrograde and I, it's still going. Yeah. <laughs> I know a few people who have gotten divorced. Oh my God. Because, and, and, the, and like when, when I look it up, they got 
Oh my God. In, that's during retrograde, which is interesting. I should do research on that. Yeah. Like how much divorce, when was, when did they get married? And yeah. was it during retrograde? Oh my God. That's a good upcoming <laughs> podcast episode. So what about celebrity couples whose charts, assuming that you are a little bit into this yeah. and have looked up celebrity couples who you like, whose charts are like a good match in terms of some celebrity couples? I actually am not like super interested in like compatibility between celebrities. I'm more like, why did a celebrity get divorced at that time? Mm. Or like, why did they get into a relationship at that time? Yeah. So, I mean, to go off that, like I was looking at like Emily Ratajkowski's birth chart the other day because I just read her book and I was like, why did she just have the split with her husband? And she was going through her Saturn return in the seventh house. Interesting. Well, also he's a disgusting cheater. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but it's like, that's why right, don't right, get married right. before your Saturn return. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's so interesting. Are there any other things that like have been aligned that you looked up with a celebrity before? Let me think. I'm just like, I feel like when I look at celebrities charts a lot, it's kind of like timing the career success of them mm. more so. yeah. Are there like particular celebrities you're interested in? I guess in? the first celebrity couple that came to mind was like Justin Bieber and Haley because they got married so early, oh, so young. Yeah, yeah. That like they still haven't had their I know, Saturn that is returns. Crazy. I have looked at his chart quite a bit. I don't know her astrology though. Do you know mm-hmm. it off the top of your head? She's a Sag. She has the same birthday as my dad actually, November okay. 22nd. I think he might be... Um, he's a Pisces. He's a Pisces? Yeah, he's like March 1st or something. What is his rising? I'm so bad with this. I, I don't know, know but, this. but I do this. I do have this weird thing where I, you can name any celebrity. Actually, I want to play this game with you. Okay. You can name any celebrity right now and I'll tell you, I'll tell you their sun sign. I just don't necessarily know their rising or moon. Okay. Like Kim Kardashian. She's a Libra, of course. <laughs> I know her rising and moon. Wait, do I? I know she's a Pisces moon. Yeah, she's um, a Pisces moon and a Cancer rising. Reese Witherspoon. She's a Pisces. Oh my God. Who else? Who are some guys? Like Jake Gyllenhaal. He's a Sagittarius, of course. What? Everyone like, knows that. I like Taylor I, Swift fans know. Okay, what's Taylor Swift? She's a Sag too. That's why. Oh my God. They had there's a line from one of her songs that's like twin fire signs, four blue eyes. Oh my god. It's about Jake Gyllenhaal. I need to do more celebrity research. This is, it's just like not a topic of interest for me. So but much. it shouldn't be a topic of interest for me. I yeah. don't know why I know this. Okay, but name a few more because it's fun. Okay, who's like a obscure one? Okay, Miley Cyrus, not obscure, but Scorpio. Oh my god! Actually, no, no, no. I'm sorry. She's a Sagittarius. Scorpio Moon. Yes, exactly. Yeah. She has very like intense Scorpio energy, mm-hmm. but she's a Sagittarius. She she's born on November 23rd. And Taurus rising. Mm-hmm. I just looked at her chart the other yeah. day. <laughs> um, Selena Gomez. Cancer. Oh my God. You're so good at this. <laughs> what about like the president, Joe Biden? He's a, a Scorpio. Oh my, Sag rising. You're about to say Sagittarius, but he is Sag rising. Yeah. Oh my God. I'm like drawing a blank with celebrities. Shoot, I can't think of any. <laughs> okay, well, you've you proven, ever, you've yeah, proven, you're if amazing. You, if you ever want to one-off text me, what's this person signed? Yeah. I'll tell you. Okay, I love it. Okay, now we're going to do some rapid fire poll question. Okay. Do you like to go to the movies? <laughs> yeah, yeah, I do. I agree, and I'm so sad all these movie theaters are closing. I know. What is more stressful to you when someone is early to something, like a Zoom meeting or in person or late? Late. Oh, I hate when someone's early. Really? It like drives me insane. 
I guess when why. I'm giving an astrology reading over Zoom, I'm like, please don't show up early. Please yeah, don't show up early. But like, like yeah. yeah. Dating for four months, official for two and a half. And girl randomly asked boy if he knows when her birthday is and what her middle name is. And he doesn't know either. Is that a red flag or deal breaker? <sighs> deal breaker. Yeah. For you, I feel like especially. Yeah. Like, birthday more so than middle name. Mm-hmm. Is it weird for your significant other to follow, to still follow a girl that he dated a few months before he met you? Is it weird? No. Yeah. Has a guy ever made you feel insecure about your lady parts? No. <laughs> Do you like cream cheese and sushi? No, I saw that one this morning. <laughs> Do you agree that it's more important for men to go to co-ed school and be socialized with women and be able to see them as friends than it is for women too? No, I feel like it's necessary for both. Maybe yeah. I went to an all girls middle school and I feel like it definitely messed me up a little there. How so? I was just like so scared to talk to boys when I got to high school. That's so interesting. Like I couldn't be my full self around them. Yeah, I feel like. I went to all girls school for mm -hmm. my whole life until college. And I feel like if if it did anything, it made me a little boy crazy mm, because okay. I wasn't like able to be around them. Yeah. And definitely affected my release, my friendships with men. Yeah. A little bit. But I would say that I do find that it's more important for if I have two kids and one of them has to go to an, a single sex school, I'd rather it be the girl than the boy. Yeah, I get that. Because I feel like it becomes like a boys club with the guys. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Do you ever get FOMO from your single friends while you're in a happy and healthy relationship? No, I thought I would, but no, I don't. Yeah. <laughs> well, maybe if you weren't in like a great relationship. Yeah, it yeah. depends on how good the relationship is. How much do you spend on your boyfriend for a one-year anniversary gift? Under 100, 100 to 200, 200 to 300, or more than 300? I would say 200 max, but I yeah. would probably spend like around 100. Yeah. If you're dating for seven months, official for three, do you get your boyfriend something for Valentine's Day other than chocolate and a card? I don't think so. Yeah. I agree. I just like, I don't even think you need to get more than like a candy bar for a guy for Valentine's yeah, Day. Yeah, like, no, that's not like a significant. Event. Yeah. Okay. Those are all the questions. Before I ask you for a quote or piece of advice, can you tell us a little bit about your book and kind of what to expect? Yes. So my book is not like your usual relationship astrology book. So it's not just about like what signs are compatible with which ones. The first part of it goes into like understanding your approach to dating and like what you really want out of a relationship by looking at your birth chart. So doing a deep dive into like your moon, your Venus, your Mars signs, all those like relationship houses I just talked about. And then the second section, we get into synastry charts. So kind of what we touched upon in this episode, like how to compare your chart to someone else's and see where those like planetary matchups are or where your planets fall in their chart. And then the final section is how to time when you might get into a relationship. So introducing that predictive astrology, like how will I know when my relationship's going to go through a great point or how will I be able to spot when there's a stressful period where there might be a breakup? Amazing. Yeah. Love it. Do you have a quote or piece of advice that you can leave us with? Yeah. So my piece of advice is actually the title of my book, which is trust your timing. I just believe like 
with work and with relationships, anything in your life, like everyone has their unique timeline and it's not worth beating yourself up for not being in the right place by like this timeline you may have imposed upon yourself. Yeah, I agree with that. I love it. Where can everyone find you, follow you, listen to your podcast and when your book comes out, grab it. Um, You can find me on Instagram at Stock Alice. My website is alicebellastrology.com and I have the link on my website and on my Instagram for my book and it comes out on June 1st. Awesome. Yes. So great to have you. (laughs) Thank you. This is so fun. note that this episode may contain paid endorsements and advertisements for products and services. Individuals on the show may have a direct or indirect financial interest in products or services referred to in this episode.